God is moving in all generations at our church. We love kids. Baby dedications are awesome. And you can tell it's a celebration for the whole family, the generations together. And we're in a time right now, really in a season in our church, not just our church, but churches across the sound, where there's a lot of returning, there's a lot of reconnecting, there's a lot of re-engagement happening. And I want to continue to give updates. Now, uh, we were hearing great things. Young at Heart, that's our seniors ministry, is flourishing. International student ministry, great things happening. Lots of new volunteers there. Lives are changing right now. God is transforming lives. And then also, we are hoping to open up the Grace Cafe. And if you haven't been here when Grace Cafe has been open, that's the cafe where we have food and stuff to drink. And we are hoping that in a few weeks we can open it up. And the update there is just a couple more volunteers to step up. But we're hoping in June to uh, launch Grace Cafe. And then Grace Kids, more people continue to volunteer, which means we're adding more classrooms. And I would say there's probably a need for about a dozen more people to serve our kids during the weekends. And ushers and greeters, I was told we had many people sign up last week to serve with ushers and greeters, but we still need, again, about a dozen more. So we celebrate what's happening. God is stirring his people. We're stepping up. I think of those passages in the Bible. Really, there's hundreds of them. One another's. Love one another's serve one another, encourage one another. And this is just a practical way to do it. So please keep that in your prayers. And as God guides you, go ahead and take a risk, serve, choose one that's a good fit for you. We are in a series right now, listening to God. What is God saying? And we're going through the different minor prophets. Today we're in Obadiah and the theme is betrayal versus loyalty. Betrayal versus loyalty. This is the shortest book in the Old Testament. So we're going to go through the whole thing in one night. It is a chapter. It moves quickly, but very important topic. This is really at the core of all our relationships, including our relationship with God and with one another. This theme of betrayal and loyalty. I would propose that those who listen to God are loyal. But when we stop listening to God, we drift from our loyalty. Let's be loyal people. Let's listen to the Lord. And we're going to dive into this book together. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your provision for us. Lord, your presence with us right now. Thank you that you're a healer, God, where we have pain and disappointment. And Father, I think of many people in our church family who are suffering physically And even in the hospital, some serious conditions, we lift them up to you today and pray for their healing. And God, we lift up our relationships to you today and pray for your insights. Pray for our hearts, God, that they would honor you. And we pray that we would move and step out of any betrayal. And we would move towards you and towards your loyalty as we draw near to you together. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The prophet Obadiah's name means servant of the Lord, or a worshiper of God. And it was a common name back in the day. There are 12 Obadiahs in the Old Testament. That's a lot of Obadiahs. What does that tell us? That there was really a common and shared desire that when parents are choosing names, they really, and we just watch baby dedications, are praying that their children would serve the Lord, would honor the Lord, would know the Lord, would live for the Lord. And the name Obadiah really encapsulates that desire. 
Obadiah was faithful in his assignment that God gave him. And God gives you assignments in many different roles. You have many different gifts and resources. It's an honor to have an assignment from the Lord. He was faithful in his generation and in the nations. He was someone who was listening to God. And I think in this series, as we've been emphasizing listening to God, it's important to note that listening to God, that posture, yes, it means stillness. Yes, it means pushing away some other voices. Yes, it means slowing down a lot of times. But it also means ready to take action. Whoever is listening to God, truly listening, is teachable and ready to take action. That's Obadiah. He's going to listen to the Lord and he's going to speak into some relationships. This theme, betrayal and loyalty, it's true on many levels in our relationships. First, it's true in our relationship with God. And then out of that relationship, every other relationship flows. And we're going to take a look at how this plays out between two brothers, Jacob and Esau, but not just in that relationship in terms of family and twins, but also in the nations. Because Jacob and Esau's relationship will truly affect the nations. And the relationships that you have, the ripples go much further than you realize or you anticipate. The relationships you have with other people, it'll travel far. It'll travel far geographically. It'll travel far in your family. Relationships are at the heart of our lives. And we're going to look at three relationship realities tonight. Here's the first one. The people closest to you can hurt you the most Because you want to trust them. You want to love them. You want to trust them. Relationships are a risk. And for the people close to you, you've let them in. You've opened up your heart. Trust has developed. And we're also at a vulnerable point with the people closest to us. Let's take a look at Obadiah chapter 1, starting in verse 1. The vision of Obadiah. This is what the sovereign Lord says about Edom. We have heard a message from the Lord An envoy was sent to the nations to say, rise and let us go against her for battle. You might think, well, what's going on? Let's dive a little deeper. Look at verse 10. Because of the violence against your brother Jacob, you will be covered with shame. You will be destroyed forever. On the day you stood aloof while strangers carried off his wealth and foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem, you were like one of them. You should not look down on your brother in the day of his misfortune, nor rejoice over the people of Judah in the day of their destruction, nor boast so much in the day of their trouble. You should not march through the gates of my people in the day of their disaster, nor look down on them in their calamity in the day of their disaster, nor seize their wealth in the day of their disaster." You should not wait at the crossroads to cut down their fugitives nor hand over their survivors in the day of trouble. There's a lot of emphasis. There's a lot of repetition and there's a lot of history. For the history in this book, we need to go back. We need to go back to the patriarchs. We need to go back to Jacob and Esau. Now, there's also a history with two nations here and that's Israel and Edom. Edom today would be in present-day Jordan, the southwest part of Jordan, in that south of the Dead Sea. Now, a key verse here and a key phrase is verse 10, where God says, your brother Jacob. This goes back to Jacob and Esau, and I'm going to refer to several Old Testament passages tonight. This one's from Genesis chapter 25. And here's how the twins came into existence. Chapter 25 in Genesis, verse 21. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren. 
The Lord answered his prayer, and his wife Rebecca became pregnant. And the babies jostled each other within her. And she said, why is this happening to me? She went to inquire of the Lord. Verse 24, when the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment, so they named him Esau. Esau means hairy. Edom means red. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel, so he was named Jacob, you know, that that grasper. And Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. Anyone that has a child at age 60, pray for them, right? That's going to be a stretch right there. And then twins, that's going to be a stretch. And then from the womb, these two are jostling. You talk about sibling rivalry inside the womb. There's a, there's a birthright for whoever comes out first. One is grasping the other's heel. Edom from Esau comes out first. Jacob's the younger. Jacob would later be Israel. Nations in the womb, two nations, Edom and Israel in the womb, and they're jostling and the sibling rivalry is intense. What you're going to see is that Esau, Harry, uh, well, he's going to sell his birthright for some red stew later on. And so the birthright's going to switch over. Jacob is a tricky guy, and he deceives sometimes, and they're going to be battling back and forth, and it's going to continue and continue and continue. Now, when you step back from that, you'd say, wait a second. God answered prayer. God was so gracious. Abraham, Sarah, they had a child that he's 90, 100 years old. What an amazing miracle God was so faithful to them. And they had this child, Isaac. And Isaac was in the position where he desired a child. And if you know any families that desire a child, and yet they're barren, and there's no child there, it's devastating. And what happens? They praise, and God doesn't give one child but two children. And you think, answer to prayer, answer to prayer, grace and provision. And what's the result? Strife and division. Isn't it interesting that that goes together? Sometimes God answers prayer and he blesses us and he pours out blessing and then all of a sudden we're fighting. After God has been so gracious to us, we're fighting. And that was the situation here. To give you a flavor of some of the history, because it starts with Jacob and Esau, it's going to continue in these two nations. Here's a situation where the Israelites are set free from slavery in Egypt. Now they're traveling towards the promised land, and they have a simple request for the Edomites. And this is verse 14, Numbers chapter 20. Moses, leading the Israelites towards the promised land, sent messengers from Kadesh to the king of Edom, saying, this is what your brother Israel says. (laughs) Reminder, we're brothers. This is what your brother says. You know about all the hardships that have come upon us. I mean, he's sharing. We've been through tough times. Our forefathers went down into Egypt. We lived there many years. The Egyptians mistreated us and our fathers. But when we cried out to the Lord, he heard our cry and sent an angel and brought us up out of Egypt. Now, here we are at Kadesh, a town on the edge of your territory. Please let us pass through your country. We will not go through any field or vineyard. We're not going to drink any water from your well. We will travel along the king's highway and not turn to the right or to the left until we have passed through your territory. I mean, he laid it out there, right? Could we just walk through? Simple request. Sometimes does someone give you a simple request in your heart? You're just like, I still don't want to do this thing. Edom answered, 
you may not pass through here. Even if you try, we will march out and attack you with the sword. Do you get the flavor of the relationship with that one glimpse? It's going to continue for the kings. King Saul is going to be dealing with the Edomites. David, Solomon, there's kings after that. The Edomites are just there again and again and again. And what we see is there's a high cost. What started with Jacob and Esau and their division had a very high cost. Division and strife always has a higher cost than you anticipate. There's always a lot of pain with betrayal. Think about examples of betrayal in our culture. Maybe you've gone through this, or maybe you've seen this happen. I've met with couples, and sometimes just a husband uh, or a wife, where there's been adultery. And we look at the statistics in our land of adultery and how high that curve is climbing. And uh, do you know how crushing that is? When you trust someone, it's the most intimate relationship that you have with someone, someone that knows you more than anyone else and then rejects you. That is brutal. That is brutal. Maybe some people get a taste of that with dating, where you really open up your life to someone, and then they say, no, I don't want to be with you. Or in marriage, sometimes someone will turn to pornography, and the other person is just feeling so neglected and rejected. And again, it's devastating when someone really knows you as close to you, and then just pushes you away or chooses someone else, goes a different direction. It can happen in families where there uh, were times of unity and everyone's close and there's family reunions and you laughed and you gave presents and all of a sudden two people don't want to be in the same room and the family doesn't get together. Or maybe the family gets together, there's an elephant in the room and there isn't forgiveness, there isn't unity, there's tension and you can just feel it. Things have changed. It's not the same. It can happen in your workplace. Someone wants to keep you down. Someone spreads bad things about you. It can happen in ministry. People twist and malign things as well. It can happen when someone gives you their word and then doesn't back it up. They told you, you believe them, you set your hopes on that, you expected that, and they didn't come through. Betrayal happens when someone's so nice to you, to your face. But then when you're not in the room, that's a whole different story. They're nice to your face, but in their heart, there's a whole different story. Maybe you've received someone's mistreated you. Maybe you, at times, have mistreated other people. For Edom, there's a range here. God's very specific. Because, you know, when it comes to sin, we like to try to dodge and make excuses. So God lays it out. He said, yes, sometimes you were aloof and indifferent and passive. You didn't do what I called you to do. You didn't stand up. You didn't look after your brother or sister. You were just passive. You didn't do it. But then other times, Edom looked down upon Israel and uh, with that, cheered on their downfall, looting and even taking captives and fugitives. And wouldn't it be easy for Edom just to rationalize this and say, well, it's always been this way. Well, the sin's been going on for so long. Well, they do mean things too. And that was true. Israel made some really bad choices. And that'd be easy. Or to say, it's fine. It's no big deal. This is just how we do it in our family. This is just how we do it. Just a lot of excuses. But it's painful. There's a lot of pain. Psalm 137, verse 7. Remember, O Lord, what the Edomites did on the day Jerusalem fell. Tear it down, they cried. Tear it down to its foundation. 
supposed to look after your brother. He's supposed to look after your sister. Be your brother's keeper. Be your sister's keeper. And what are the words that they hear from the Edomites? Tear it down to the foundation. Take down the Israelites. Take them down. And they just didn't forget that. Maybe someone said something to you that was so brutal. You, you just, it's still there. You can't forget it. The way they said it and who said it and how they said it. And it left a scar. It left a lot of pain for the hearers. It left a lot of pain for the Israelites. And we look at these broken relationships and we're reminded of the broken relationships in our nation, in our culture, and sometimes in our own lives. And broken relationships remind us how much we need God. When you look at how the nations treat each other, it reminds us how we need God. You look at it in our nation, how sometimes there's a lack of love for our brother and sister, how much we need God. You look at our own families, and it becomes quite obvious how much we need God. Well, what do we need? We need God's discernment in our relationships. Let's take a look at Proverbs 25, verse 18. Like a club or a sword or a sharp arrow is one who gives false testimony against a neighbor. Like a broken tooth or a lame foot is reliance on the unfaithful in a time of trouble. Like a broken tooth. Does anyone want to take a bite with a broken tooth? Be discerning who you trust, who you partner with, who you date, who you marry. Be very discerning. God will give you discernment. So ask him for discernment. We also need God's unity. God has a passion for unity. And we need to share that passion. Deuteronomy 23, 7. God says to the Israelites, do not abhor the Edomites. Those are your brothers. Do not abhor the Egyptians, for you lived there. Don't abhor the people, but instead unite. Also, we need God's accountability. Did you notice the name for God in the first verse of this book? The vision of Obadiah. This is what the sovereign Lord says about Edom. We need God's accountability. The sovereign Lord means he rules and reigns over the nations. Jesus is returning, and he will rule and reign forever. In other words, God's saying over the tension and the conflict and the strife, I'm over you. He's saying to the Edomites and their proud uh, hearts, I'm over you. You're not at the top. I'm over you. And there's accountability. And then also we need God's healing. Psalm 34, 18, God is close to the brokenhearted. If you feel brokenhearted tonight, know that God is close to you. He brings healing to those who are crushed in spirit. If you felt crushed, disappointed by somebody recently, know that God heals. God is close to you. Sometimes in life, the reality is we think someone's with us. We are assuming the best, and they're not. They're not with us. Sometimes maybe it's unintentional. Sometimes it's intentional, but they are undermining us. They are not with you. They are not truly for you. Their selfishness, their sin, and their strife. And what do you do on the receiving side? I think initially I would say, go to the Lord. God knows who you are fully and loves you. God won't leave you. God won't forsake you. Jesus is reliable. Jesus keeps his promises. You can go to the Lord. Go to the Lord. Jesus can relate as well. So I encourage you to shift some of your security. Yes, there's going to be grieving, but we have a hope. We want to shift our security and land it in the Lord and in his healing and closeness uh, because people are going to hurt us deeply. And also, we want to be aware here that we're not the ones causing the pain. 
Uh, that's the first truth, that reality. But let's also look at what the Lord does. Here's the second reality. The Lord brings a final equity because there's so much that's off. There's so much that we say is right and is wrong. There's so much unfairness. There's so much happening in our world. The Lord brings a final equity and aggressors and manipulators will be rebuked and they will be disciplined. Let's go back to Obadiah and look at verse two. See, I will make you small among the nations. You will be utterly despised. The pride of your heart has deceived you. You who live in the clefts of the rocks and make your home on the heights, you who say to yourself, who can bring me down to the ground? Though you soar like the eagle and make your nest among the stars, from there I will bring you down, declares the Lord. If thieves came to you, if robbers in the night, oh, what a disaster awaits you. Would they not steal only as much as they wanted? If grape pickers came to you, would they not leave a few grapes? But how Esau will be ransacked, his hidden treasures pillaged. All of your allies will force you to the border. Your friends will deceive you and actually overpower you. Those who eat your bread will set a trap for you, but you will not detect it. In verse 15, the day of the Lord is near for all nations. As you have done, it will be done to you. Your deeds will return upon your own head. I want to take a look at, because there's a reference here to Edom saying, you know, here we are in this lofty place. And I think some pictures might be helpful. What did it look like back then? Uh, this is, uh, these are pictures of when you think of Edom and how they were situated. They were up high. They were in the rocks. I mean, if you were an invading army and you approached that, <laughs> what would you do? I mean, you just look at the fortress and there's not a, by the way, the only way to even approach Edom was to go through this narrow channel and this narrow channel that they could easily take you down. So you had to go through a narrow channel and then you see them and they're all up in the rocks and you'd approach them. Uh, as, as you read this passage, you know, who can bring us down to the ground? I, I couldn't help but just think of MC Hammer. Uh, you can't touch this. And uh, you could just see that song being played. That's my dad joke of the night. But you could just see, it's like, you can't touch this. Can't touch us. And that was their attitude. You can't touch us. Look at us. Up here in the rocks, how are you going to get up here? You're going to go through that narrow channel? We're just ready for you. We're going to pounce on you. You want to come up here against this fortress? How are you going to do it? You can't touch us. And they just sat in that kind of pride for a long time. Uh, where was their trust? They trusted in the rocks. They trusted in the mountains. They trusted in their wise men, and they were full of their own knowledge. They trusted in their military, and they trusted in their fierce warriors. They did. They had fierce warriors. They trusted in their money and in their treasures. They would tuck them away in secret vaults, but they were very wealthy. And what did they ultimately do? Well, it's called idolatry. They shifted, and instead of worshiping the blesser, they worshiped the blessings. Instead of finding their identity and security in the blesser, they found it in the blessings. And as they made that shift, instead of being humble before our creator, now they focused on the blessings and they swelled up with pride and they just didn't see their need for God because they said, look at us up here. Who could possibly touch us? And there's been points in all of our lives, in our pride, we thought, I've got all this going on. Look at me. Look at me. And that was their posture. And so what is the report from God? He says, yes, you are in the heights, 
but I'm going to bring you down to size. Yes, you're thinking you're completely self-sufficient, but I'm going to humble you. Yes, you have wealth, but thieves are coming. Yes, you, you think you have allies, but they're actually going to turn against you. Yes, I've given you wisdom, but you're going to be in a position where you're very surprised and very confused. And all this is going to be fitting as the idols in your life are eroding. The idols, every idol in our life will eventually erode. It'll erode. Never trust an idol. Don't find your security, sense of self-worth in an idol. Find it in the Lord. And look at Psalm 78. The Bible often brings contrasts. And here we have north and south division for the Israelites. They went through their own division within. And uh, ten tribes in the north, two in the south. Then they would put their trust in God. So this is the positive. They would not forget his deeds. They would keep his commands. They would not be like their ancestors. Their ancestors, their forefathers, were a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God. That's a key. Whose spirits were not faithful to him. And what do we see? The men of Ephraim, that's the 10 tribes in the north, Israel, Assyria comes in in 722. They weren't loyal to God. There's division, the 10 and 2 tribes. Though they're armed with bows, though they're well supplied, they turn back on the day of battle, symbolic there. They did not keep God's covenant and refused to live by his law. And you see, the lack of loyalty with the Lord led to a lack of loyalty with one another. And what happens vertically always results in what happens horizontally. And when you think about Edom, the same letters for Edom are the same ones for Adam. In the Hebrew, Adam means humanity. Verse 15, all nations, all people. Uh, Maybe you came in tonight and you're like, Edom? I mean, if you had to write down everything you knew about Edom coming in tonight, you might be like, I don't know, what's Edom? Well, I'll tell you, in the Old Testament, there's just no other nation mentioned outside of the Israelites as much as Edom. Well, why does God keep talking about the Edomites and Edom? It's because he wants us to learn something from that nation. And he wants us to learn. You see, Ephraim in that last verse, he wants us to learn what happened in the 10 northern tribes. The people had opportunity after opportunity to walk humbly with God. And God wanted them to hear. God wanted them to listen. And they really didn't want to listen. And when you stop listening to God and you start to move away from the Lord, it'll lead to some form of betrayal in terms of other relationships. And uh, here I think it would be a good time to turn to the faithfulness of Jesus. I said earlier, Jesus can relate. And in Psalm 41, verse 9, now David is writing this psalm, and David uh, experienced betrayal. Now David writes this, Psalm 41, verse 9, Even my close friend, whom I trusted, who shared my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. To share a meal in that culture meant full acceptance. It meant like family. You don't just share a meal with just anybody. I mean, David sharing his pain, this person I trusted, this person that I thought was friends, reliable, loyal, what happened? This very one has turned against me. I shared my bread with this one. Now he's lifted up his heel against me, right? Just wants to squash David. Well, Jesus quotes this in John chapter 13, quoting Psalm 41. And this is, the context is Judas. 
John 13, verse 18. Jesus says, I'm not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen, but this is to fulfill the scripture. He who shares my bread has lifted up his heel against me. David was writing a messianic prophecy. Jesus in Judas, that's where it's going to play out. But this happens to Jesus too. What does that tell us? You can be sinless, faithful, kind, loyal, and someone can still mistreat you. Someone can still betray you. You can do everything right and still be on the receiving end. And think about some of Jesus' relationships where there was disappointment and think about how he responded. With Judas, Judas could have opportunities to repent. Is Judas going to change? We don't see it. There's some remorse. There, there's, a, there's a real wrestling inside. I mean, Judas, you see how his life ends. It's like there's some shame there, but, but you never see him turn to God. He takes that path of betrayal for some coins. He turns against Jesus. And ultimately, Jesus lets him go in the sense that Judas isn't forced. And I'm telling you, there's some people in your life who betray you that you can't change their heart. And you're just going to have to really release them to the Lord and let them go to sense. You can't fix everyone. You can't change everyone. You can't convince everyone. You could lay out humbly and truthfully what the facts are, and they still wouldn't turn. There's some people that are going to betray, and Jesus, that was painful for him, but uh, Judas is going to go the way Judas wants to go. Now, there's others, like Peter, who denied Jesus three times, but what happened? Jesus restored him. Peter still had a teachable heart. He was someone who could be restored. Jesus restored him. Thomas had doubts. And sometimes in our relationship with God, we have doubts. What does Jesus do? Jesus is patient. Jesus is merciful. And Jesus brings more truth. And when someone's doubting, patience, merciful, bringing more truth. And it's important to note how Jesus responded to Judas, to Peter, and to Thomas. Because they're all different reactions where there's disappointment, and Jesus has different responses to each of them. But again, we look to the Lord, and ultimately, Jesus brings a perfect love and perfect wisdom in every situation. And this is also probably a good time to say that all of us have betrayed Jesus. We are all in the same boat And what do we know about the Lord? He lays down his life for people who betray him. What do we know about Jesus? He rescues and redeems rebels. We don't have to try to rationalize or deny our sin. We can just come as the rebels we are, betray Jesus as many times as we have, and Jesus gives us grace and mercy through his death on the cross, his blood shed for us, that we have his righteousness and forgiveness and grace, and it is full and complete for eternity, and that's how God responds to us. Even though we've betrayed him, he is so gracious and loyal to us. And that should just lead to praise. That should lead to worship. That should lead to thanks. That should lead not to a lukewarm heart, but one that's just so grateful for the Savior. He's so different than we are, and we give him praise. His light shines through in the book of Obadiah. Here's the third reality in our relationships. When people mistreat you and crush your expectations, lean in to the loyalty of God. We're going to see God's loyalty And you need to lean in to his loyalty. Uh, People are going to hurt us in the worst way, but lean in to the Lord. Verse 17, but on Mount Zion will be deliverance. It will be holy. And the house of Jacob 
will possess its inheritance. Verse 20, the company of Israelite exiles who are in Canaan will possess the land as far as Zarephath. The exiles from Jerusalem who are in Sepharad will possess the towns of the Negev. Deliverers will go up on Mount Zion to govern the mountains of Esau, and the kingdom will be the Lord's. I I, want to say when people push you down, just trust the Lord to lift you up. Trust the Lord to lift you up. You know what I notice in the Bible, and I've also seen in my life and the people around you, me so many different times, is when someone receives the biggest slam, God will step in and bring the biggest breakthrough and the biggest steps forward. What someone meant for evil or harm, God turns it around and brings good out of that deal. If you are stay patient and trust the Lord, even when someone slanders you, uh, they, they twist, they spin the thing, they mistreat you, they're mean to you. Even when they do that, if you trust the Lord, he will lift you up, he provides, and he brings this breakthrough and he opens up this new thing. And uh, God is faithful to do it again and again and again. So here's some practical stuff from the scripture. Uh, When people come that bring betrayal, there's going to be one part where you need to resist some of the opposition. You need to resist some of the opposition. I think of the book of Nehemiah, and Nehemiah was listening to the Lord, was building up the city, doing a great work for God in Jerusalem. And who shows up? Sambalat, Tobiah, and Geshem. When you do something for the Lord that's significant, just know more times than not, Samballot or Tobiah or Geshem or all three will show up. And they want to control. They're a little bit envious. They, whatever, their hearts are off. And, and they show up. And, and what do they try to do? Distract, mock, and attack Nehemiah. And you got to resist. Nehemiah set some limits. There's some people where you need to set some limits. And don't give him too much power. Nehemiah is not going to leave the work and go down and get involved and sidetracked and sideways energy and all the dirt and the noise and the nonsense. He's not going to do it. He's going to set some limits there. He's not going to give him too much power. He's going to pray. He's going to mobilize people to pray. When someone attacks you or when you sense there's a spiritual attack going on and you can just sense the light and darkness, the good and evil, maybe there's even some kind of demonic manifestation, it's time to pray. And also they put up protection. You've got protection in the word of God it's time to get serious and read the Bible in your home. It's time to memorize some scripture. It's time to get the protection going, the prayer going, and set the limits. Don't just be the doormat, and don't just let them walk all over. Set some limits like Nehemiah did. And uh, ultimately, when people attack you and betray you, what you need to see, um, and we can't see the full picture, but we need to have compassion on those people. Forgive them and have compassion. Because the reason they're not loyal and faithful to you and the reason they're undermining and slandering you is because they're not really doing that well. They're not really doing that well in their soul, in their walk with God. Something's really off. Sometimes something's kind of sick in their spirit. And if you could see their full condition, you just pray for them like Jesus did. He prayed for those who were most cruel to him. So keep that in mind when people mistreat you. Sometimes you need to resist the opposition, set limits, but still pray for them. Also, when you're going through a time of betrayal, another thing you need to do is renew your commitment to God. 
Don't drift away from the Lord. Don't do what the other ones are doing. Don't just repeat it. Don't go down to that level. Don't pull away from God. We are living in a culture where a lot of times the message, it's either overt or covert, but the message is betrayal's not that bad. It's hey, as long as you're happy. You just think about yourself first. You're number one. And you know what? If that means you betray some people, just go ahead and betray them because your happiness is what it's all about. And I want to tell you, that is a lie in relationships. That is a dangerous lie. We've got a lot of people putting their chest out. Yeah, maybe I am number one. Maybe it is okay to not keep my word. Maybe it is okay to not be faithful. Maybe I, even though I said I would, I don't need to because it's about me and me being happy and me being happy means I'm done. I'm out. No way. I'm not keeping my word. And people actually move forward in that philosophy that's from the pit. (laughs) They move forward in that in relationship destruction all around. It's a form of selfishness. That's not what the word says. The word says holiness, honoring God means we keep our word even when it's hurting. We still keep our word and we stay faithful to God. There's a huge contrast between what the world is saying and doing and what the word says to do. And Jesus, when he returns in Luke 18, verse 8, says, will there be faith on the earth? Wow. That kind of causes us to pause. When Jesus returns, Luke 18, 8, any faith on the earth? In other words, is anyone staying faithful to the Lord and to his word? The cultural trends are going to be to drift away from the Lord and don't be swept up by them. When you see betrayal happening, don't let bitterness and resentment get in your spirit. Don't let pride like you're better than other people get in your spirit. Don't let that get in your spirit. You renew your commitment to the Lord when there's betrayal all around. Renew your commitment to the Lord. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Stay faithful for when he returns. And there's another response. In addition to resisting some opposition, renewing your commitment, it's to rest in the Lord. Because we get tired. Do you know how exhausting that is when people take shots at you, throw shade at you? It just gets tiring. Emotionally, sometimes physically, spiritually. I mean, it just gets draining. Sometimes it feels like you've got a target on your back, and here's another comment online, and here's what you heard someone else said, and this is how they twisted your motives, and they guessed your motives, they assumed your motives, and that was wrong, and it just gets tiring. So go back and rest in the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 8 and 9. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your ancestors that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. They found rest for the slavery. But then know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. Rest in the Lord. Rest in his faithfulness. Rest in his goodness. The Lord will give you peace when people mistreat you. He will give you his security when people try to take things away. When they try to tear down your reputation, the Lord will be your strength. And you say, how did this play out for the Edomites? We look at history. Judas Maccabeus, this is 185 BC, came in and routed the Edomites. Now, they weren't completely gone, And we know this because Herod the Great, uh, about 4 BC, I think we can more accurately say Herod the Not-So-Great, but he liked to be known as Herod the Great, was an Edomite, and you see what he did. It's like, are you kidding me? 
hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years in this pattern. And it's like, where's the repentance? When is it going to change? And it's a reminder to us in our sin, don't just stay in the pattern. Turn to God and repent, refreshment, renewal. And they won't. They didn't. And eventually in 70 AD, Rome through Titus came in and the Edomites no longer exist. And that was the end of their story. It's also a reminder to us that the Lord has the last say. We don't need to try to get revenge on anybody. It's not ours to get revenge. The Lord will sort it out. It's his. So take your hands off the revenge. Trust the Lord. It's like God saying to the people through Obadiah, the people who have been the victims, he's saying, I've got this, I've got you, I've got the final solution. And sometimes I like to look to Revelation because I like to see how it all ends. Sometimes I just like to know that the story ends well. Uh, Revelation chapter 11, verse 15, the seventh angel sounded his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven, which said, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. And what I like about hope in the Bible, in our culture, hope's a feeling that comes and goes. Hope is something you think might happen. Hope is something that can even be a tease. But in the Bible, hope is certain. Hope is like an anchor for the soul. Hope is Jesus. Ultimately, Jesus keeps all his promises. And Jesus will rule and reign in the perfection that we've all been longing for. We will finally experience the relationships we've all been longing for through the Prince of Peace, Jesus, who will make it all right. In one sentence, to wrap up, what is Obadiah saying? Loyalty glorifies God. Loyalty glorifies God. Let's be loyal people. Let's repent of any type of unfaithfulness. Let's be loyal people together, shining in this generation, faithful to bless the future generations, faithful to bless the nations, faithful to look after our brothers and sisters, faithful to pray and protect one another, faithful faithful to God. That's where God wants our hearts. And where is it that God's calling you to be loyal? Loyalty only comes by abiding with Jesus. Loyal in your love, loyal in your generosity, loyal in your serving, loyal in your commitment, loyal in your family, loyal in your church. God's calling us to be loyal. Let's be loyal together for the glory of God. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. We know loyalty is not always a flashy Lord, it doesn't always have the bling. It doesn't always have the wow. It doesn't always have the pop and the same kind of interest. It's not always shiny. But God, you, you're looking to and fro. Your eyes move across the land to see who's loyal, who's loyal. God, I pray that we would be a people that are not just moved by cultural trends or moved by our selfish desires. God, are moved by, just in the way other people treat us. We would imitate that. But God, I pray that we would be a people who would rise above as we abide in you, Jesus. I want to pray specifically for anyone tonight who's been extremely disappointed, who's been let down, who's been given promises, who's been shown kindness in words, but the actions are very different. God, anyone that's feeling slammed, 
maybe even a close friend that's turned against them or someone in the family. God, I pray that you would be the lifter of their heads. Be the lifter. Jesus, help them to see you in your faithfulness. Help them to lean in, to find rest for their souls, to find peace in you. God, to relinquish all feelings of bitterness and revenge. Jesus, set people free who are trapped right now in bitterness. And God, we pray as we look out in the land that we would rise up, not be passive, not just watch people suffer, but we would step up, speak up for our brothers and sisters. We'd be a loyal people, God. We pray for healing in our land, healing in our hearts, and we would return to you. We give you praise. Jesus, as we sing this song, as we worship you, we thank you, God, that when we're in dire situations that feel like defeat and feel like discouragement, God, that you make a way. Out of slavery in Egypt, you made a way. Out of our sin, Jesus, on the cross and resurrection, you made a way. For eternity, you're making a way. Thank you, God. We praise you together. In Jesus' name, amen. Yo, subscribe to YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> subscribe to this channel.